Forgotten Flicks, Episode 33, Young Guns, from 1988. Psst, Jason. Did you see the size of that chicken? Howdy, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks Podcast. I am one of your two magnificent hosts, Joel, and I'm joined as always by Jason. Say, say hello to the folks, Jason. Is it is it old prospector night? <laughs> uh, no, it is not. I just felt it was uh, recumbent upon me to speaketh like the Dunn did in the Old West. Will it get Actually, old? More British accents. What? what? <laughs> I think we should be speaking British accents for the movie we watched because there was more British accents in this than. Good point, Governor. All right, so that's yeah, pretty much the only thing I know in 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 British language, right, Maggie? Governor, didn't they, <laughs> they say it a lot? <laughs> I'm excited. We we have yet to foray into the yes. world of the Western. And there's pretty much a reason for that, because even though I really appreciate the mythology of Westerns and I really appreciate the um, structure of Westerns and I love it when it's applied to, say, an urban, an awesome, low-budget urban action film, you know, hypothetically like Assault on Precinct mm. 13, I will say <laughs> that it is probably one of my least watched genres. One that I would like mm. to go back and revisit because I'm ashamed to say there are quite a few. I mean, I've seen all the sort of the typical ones. That, oh, I've seen Unforgiven. And, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of the more recent ones, but the classic stuff. I've only seen a few of the Clint Eastwood, obviously Good, Bad, and the Ugly I saw. Um, but actually, of his Man With No Name trilogy, that – no, I think I saw Hang em High. But that may be it. Mm. Yeah, I didn't see any other ones. Silverado I saw when I was a kid. So, I mean, you know, see, I see my handful. Young Guns and Young Guns 2, definitely, back in the day. Back in the day. So, yes, if you... Tombstone. Did you catch you some Tombstone? Yes, I caught, caught some Tombstone. And, oh, and my favorite, Wyatt Earp with Kevin Costner. Ugh, don't even bring that up. Oh, that isn't nice. You know, really, there is a triple feature in your future. Wyatt Earp, Waterworld, <laughs> and The Postman. The Postman. I have to watch The Postman last because that's the one I'll blow my brains out in. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. No, 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 wait. Think about it, though. If you blew your, if you watched it first, then you wouldn't have to watch the other two. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And i got to thank Daryl yeah. again for bringing that movie up last episode. But yeah. Yes. Good so. job, Daryl. Actually, it was two episodes ago because it was Trancers. Last episode oh, was yeah, yeah. That's right. Romancing the Stone. That's right. Never See, leaving I, I must preface your part this evening. alone. What? <laughs> I must preface this evening with, uh, I'm a little under... Uh, the weather or something. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I've that... had a little bit of, like, the the new NyQuil. Not so much the good old stuff, but yeah. uh, the the green death. But, you know. The green death. Old meds. Green death, yeah. Did you actually do, NyQuil. is that the stuff you actually put it in a spoon and then you tie the little <laughs> tube around your arm and you heat up the spoon? That, oh, wait, that's something else. That was the good stuff. That was, but, yeah, uh, that's thank stuff. you, meth heads, yes. for... Uh, Having our good cold medicines taken away, but uh, yeah, I'm still on something that's making me, you know, not quite as focused as I generally am, and that's saying something. <laughs> wow, that's a good point. 
Boy, we're in trouble. So, if, I, if I'm having to uh, keep us, quote-unquote, on track and focused, we're screwed. <laughs> you, so this is the three-hour episode yeah. of Forgotten Flicks. And <laughs> yes. So, anywho, Jason, would you like to uh, get started with a little feedback, mayhaps? Because we actually have some. I missed it so much last week. Yes. I felt a little off. I know. So, yes, and we have, we have a newbie. We have a newbie tonight. Our, our buddy Shannon. Feedback virgin! Feedback virgin! <laughs> <laughs> tickle, tickle! Okay. So, yes, we will get some feedback from Shannon and then from our boy, JV. Hey, guys. This is Shannon. Um, I'm new to listening to you guys' podcasts, but I really We're sorry. enjoyed it. Um, I just... I've been listening to your guys' podcast on uh, Masters of the Universe and the Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. Um, I guess I'm really sorry. um, Masters of the Universe will always hold like a special place in my heart because it was the first movie I remember seeing in the theater. And I've gone back and I've never watched it at least 50 times when I was a kid. But I've gone back and watched it and I'll admit that it's not aged well, and it's definitely not that great, that, well, what I would call a good movie, but I don't know, just the cheesiness of it, just, just something that just, I just like, just, I don't know, it's very hard to explain, but uh, also, about the Garbage Pail Kids the movie, oh my god. There's another movie I've never seen when I was real young, but never really never seen it more than maybe once. And come back and not too long ago I saw on cable. And you know, it's really, really horrible. Uh, I don't even know where to begin about. Keep up your work. I uh, will try to listen to you guys' podcast when I can. And I'm trying to keep up. I've listened to about maybe five of them so far. Thank you. Thanks for bringing all these forgotten flicks to people that actually forgot about them. But thank you, guys. Bye. Although I will say, Jason, I find it amazing that he thanked us after listening to the Garbage Pail Kids episode. <laughs> yes, and having watched Masters of the Universe 50 times, uh, it must be Dolph Lundgren in shoulder pads that he likes so much because you know, otherwise, yeah. Well, he said that he 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 made the comment about um, it not aging well. At first, I thought he was talking about Courtney Cox. <laughs> I didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, her not no, so good. no, her surgeon's done wonders. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. No, yes, thank you, Shannon. Thank you for that fantastic <laughs> feedback. And um, yes, if you really want to get caught up and, and prove to yourself how awesome a show is, you need to immediately go from the one you listened to before you called in the Masters of the Universe Garbage Book is a double feature and go to the Deep Star Six Leviathan double feature, which was like four, I think episode four, somewhere around there. Yeah, something yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Those are some, <laughs> those yeah. are something. So, without further ado, JV. Hey, guys. You may not know me, but I'm JV. I am uh, a frequent listener to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, which I love enough to listen to it every week. And if I don't, um, at least catch up on the following week or so. And anyway, once again, while I'm driving, 
and listening to the podcast on Labor Day, no less, I have to pause and call in to the feedback line. And what I have to say is this. Grimer, yes, I knew you were going to say that. It is so amazing. Uh, yeah, that's all. Um, I just, you know, I'm just really excited and you pointed out that Primer is probably one of the best time travel movies ever made. And, yeah, uh, I'm going to go home now and see if I can find transfers on Netflix or something. Uh, yeah. Okay, bye. Yes, in case you couldn't make out what he said, Primer. Because I brought up Primer <laughs> in our transfers episode. And, yes, JV, Primer is amazing. And for all of you fans of low, low-budget movies, but ones that don't involve shark vaginas or anything like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't mess with the shark to puss. Oh, shark to puss. <laughs> I thought it was shark to JJ. Shark to JJ. Is that? No. No. Yeah. Sorry. Although I got to say, JV, if you're in your car, you've been making too many round trips through the Starbucks drive through <laughs> Decaf, brother. Yeah, but that's what I love about JV. Actually, no, JV, keep downing it. Take it directly into your vein. I love your passion. So please call in anytime, my friend. And, you know, day or night at any point during the show. That's fine with me. So, Jason, would you like to get uh, rocking and rolling on a little Young Guns action? I would love to. Okay, let's make this happen. Why the West was wild. No one's fool enough to go in after Murphy's people. Emilio Estevez. I'm in. Deputize them. Keeper Sutherland. You look like trouble. Trouble? You think I look like trouble? I'm a poet. Makes me those are just boys. Ain't one of them over 21. Murphy's men will shred them in half within a day. Casey Shimashko. I'm a pugilist. Court adjourned. Dermot Mulroney. He ain't all there, is he? Lou Diamond Phillips. My vision told me we're headed for blood. Charlie Sheen. We got warrants! We're the law! You were supposed to serve 11 warrants and expose the ring. Instead, you went out and you went on the warpath. The governor's revoked your deputization powers. You're now wanted by the legitimate law as well as those outside the law. You're being hunted by troops. I like these odds. <laughs> Young Guns. Okay. So, Jason. Young Guns, 1988. <laughs> directed by Christopher Kane, starring... Let me catch my breath before I go down the list. <laughs> Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Derma Mulroney, Casey Jamasco, Terrence Stamp... Terry O'Quinn, hell's yeah! <laughs> Brian Keith, and of course, Mr. Jack. Jack. Balance. Who sees <laughs> and, and slithers better than any Clint Eastwood a la Dirty Harry ever. Believe it or, or not. not. 
Yes. So this is a, I'm doing quote fingers, people, you can't see it, classic Western from the 80s, of which there were many. The 80s, pretty much, <laughs> that's the genre, I think, that um, sort of uh, def- is defined by the, uh, the the body of work that came on the 80s. I'm just totally kidding. There was like four. So that weren't on TV <laughs> starring Kenny Rogers. I guess I should be very specific about that point. There were there were like there were like twenty eight on TV, all starring Kenny Rogers, but there were four. Oh, you're hating on Gambler. Oh no, here's the Gambler. Oh no, here. Anyway, yes. <laughs> huh, Kenny Rogers? Do you ever see that on Mad TV? Will Sasso? <laughs> yes. Kenny Rogers. <laughs> it's Kenny Rogers' dickass. It's like he always played him as this like insane drunk, and he would just beat people with a baseball bat. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, I love Will Sasso. He's going to be in the Three yeah, Stooges movie. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's going to play Curly. He's perfect. Oh, yeah. Shave his head. He'll be um, awesome. Kenny Rogers also uh, guest starred in an episode of Reno 911 as himself. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Freaking hilarious. Oh, that, was that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. But you forgot a couple of famous people in here. Oh, who else? Who did I forget, Jason? This is a, this is a master list of the who's who. Brian Keith. I said Brian Keith. Okay, but you know what he's from? Uh, Parent Trap. Yeah, that, he played the dad in Parent Trap. Yep. More from my youth. I did see that, though, when I was a kid, so I guess that is from my youth. But a TV show. Parent Trap? <laughs> <laughs> oh, The Courtship of Eddie's Father. That's right, because you're like 108 <laughs> years old. Shut up. No, it was Hardcastle and McCormick. Oh, that's right. That's another one of those that had like the Romance in the Stone music. Yes, <laughs> but he, he, he played like the, the judge guy and then... Uh, McCormick was like the loose cannon with the fast red car. It was like a, I don't know what it was, a Ferrari or. I swear, that's one of those shows that I can totally remember the title. I know it was on TV. I literally have <laughs> zero memory of a single shot, a single frame of of ever. Like I don't remember anything from that show. Nothing. I only remember the car. Like the, it was on for like three seasons, and I only remember the car. I remember Manimal better than I remember Hardcastle and McCormick. <laughs> Because that cool Black Panther and he turns into the eagle or the hawk or whatever it was. That was awesome. I remember, uh, the, was it the, it was the wizard, right? With the little. Oh, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. That was um, Warwick Davis, wasn't he? No, 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 no. I think we had this discussion. Oh, we I probably did. Was. Yeah. Anyway, but yes, he was like the science guy that, you know, played, yeah, the wizard. I remember more of that than I do Hardcastle and McCormick. Yeah. Simon and Simon. But We already went down this road. Simon Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so then. The guy who played Pat Garrett. Um, yeah, who was that? Movie, that was Patrick Wayne. That was John Wayne's son. Oh, really? Huh. Yes. Told you I haven't watched Pat- it. Oh, I have seen The Searchers, though. I he finally saw it like, like a year ago. I'm a sh- yeah, talk about getting your, your film geek card, card revoked. I finally saw The Searchers like a year ago. For the first time? For the first time. Wow, because that's not oh, just a classic of westerns. That's pretty much just a classic period. It was a great movie, but it yeah. was yeah. Patrick Wayne was on like as one of the, they had like a little special because I had my wife bought me the DVD. So, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, but in the next one in Young Guns, yes, two, I know who this is. It, he was replaced, yeah. um, by William Peterson. Yay! Of Very C- good of CSI. Yes. That's right. Yeah, he was awesome in that one. He actually mm-hmm. had a much more dynamic character. Yes, because than... pretty much Pat Garrett in this felt like a cameo a la the Golden Girls. <laughs> it was a, he just kind of Ladies and there. gentlemen, Mr. Robert 
Goulet or Guillet, whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> Robert Guillaume. Guillaume. That was it. <laughs> Robert Goulet. <laughs> Robert, who's on the cold medicine? Robert Guillaume. <laughs> yes. Oh, I need more Vicks. Yeah. Um, Ingleberry anyway. Humperdinck. <laughs> Mr. Pat Garrett. Mr. Tom Jones. Mr. Pat Garrett. We're just going to introduce him for a nanosecond, only to have him come in at the end of the movie to be a plot point. Yay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> so, anything else you'd like to say about this? Um, no, that's pretty. That's pretty snacks? much it. Flicks it to free. Oh, we're oh oh we still oh. have to go through the movie. Oh crap. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Um, that's pretty much it for the stats, Jay. You want to hit the synopses if you can follow it. Certainly. <laughs> I, this is a this is a pretty easy one. Okay. Um, okay. This. This is uh, basically it's the story of this group of young ne'er do wells, um, sort of led by one Billy the Kid, William H. Bonney. So this is kind of the story of Billy the Kid, um, who is Emilio Estevez plays Billy the Kid in this, um, and all of the group that he was kind of a young kid with, uh, not young kid, a young man with, and they are all taken in um, by a. Uh, a rancher from England, who uh, John Tunstall, who's come over to kind of, kind of make his way in America, played by Terrence Stamp, uh, most famous for being uh, uh, General Zod. Um, <laughs> uh, Phantom Menace. Oh, that's right. No, he is just General Zod, nothing else. And so he is kind of this little rancher by himself, lone man, and and there is a bad guy, Lawrence Murphy who is kind of running the local town. He owns the sheriff. And he who, who is, the who's Lawrence? <laughs> who is Jack Palance. And Jack Palance is basically out to uh, get the cattle contracts in the area, and the upstart John Tunstall and his crew of ne'er-do-wells is kind of standing in his way. And so Murphy's Boys, as the bad guys are all called, um, in the very early on in the movie, but this is a spoiler alert, which we never got to that, did we? Oh, crap. Hold on. Um, yeah, so in a very key point in the movie... Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. See, I think it works better when I interrupt you with it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, so at a major spoiler point in the very beginning of the movie, uh, they, they set this up as all these guys have kind of found a, found a home with John Tunstall, and he's trying to educate them and better their lives. And I bet he them, is. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, as Mr. Murphy says early on, yeah, I bet you like educating young boys. I'm like, what? Where did that reference suddenly? <laughs> oh, I have from? several things I want to bring up. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, Tunstall's trying to teach these boys a better way of life and give them a better uh, a better life at his ranch. And um, Murphy basically has Tunstall killed towards the beginning of the movie, and that sets these guys off in a rage and in at one point um terry o'quinn's character 
who plays an attorney. Mm-hmm. He plays like a like a district attorney in that area or whatever. And uh, McSween is his name. He convinces the justice of the peace, the judge, to deputize these kids who are now on a blood feud. Let's give them the law. <laughs> okay. Well, if you call them regulators, <laughs> it makes it okay. Yes, exactly. So, of course, they go out to serve their first warrant and kill like nine people. And uh, after that, it sort of goes bad where a couple of other people they kill who they're supposed to be serving warrants on. And then that just sets Murphy and all of his uh, evil henchmen and then all of the corrupt politicians and all of that down upon their heads, um, building up to a climax and, of course – a big gun battle, which has to happen in every good Western. So I won't give away the ending and I won't kind of get into the details of the ending latter half. Um, but, uh, they are sort of running for their lives for like the second half of the movie away from Murphy and mm-hmm. his men. So, um, so that's, that's basically yes. very nice know. synopsis. Brilliantly done, especially being that you're high as a kite right now. Where am I? Huh? Jason. Okay. So trancers, the last time I watched this movie. <laughs> Squid. Tim Thomerson. Yeah. Tim Thomerson. Yeah, yes, Tim that's his name. That's his name. We're doing, Jason, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. This is the Doll Man episode. Oh, yes, I forgot. <laughs> this is the Doll Man versus Demonic Toys episode. Jason. I need another tissue. <laughs> yes, so Young Guns, Jason. Um, my assumption is you, you love this movie. I'm just going to throw that out Why there. Why do you assume that? Why do I assume that? Because anyone that would hate Assault on Precinct 13 with the level of vitriol that you uh, hated it um, would would have to love this movie. Let me just say that I liked – I had a memory of liking this movie, though I also seem to recall the sequel better. Like I, I seem to have a stronger memory of the sequel than this particular film for whatever reason. You know. I, th- I think having watched it, I haven't watched it in a while. I've, I've watched it a lot, but having watched it just recently for for the show, I found that I had blended memories mm-hmm. of one and two Absolutely. kind of together. Absolutely. And, um, Gail mentioned it on Twitter. She she mentioned, oh, that movie reminds me of the Bon Jovi song, and I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh wait, that's in the second one, you know? Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, I did kind of blend those together when I watched this, remembering uh, scenes I thought I remembered were actually in the second one, not this yeah. one. But. And uh, you who I make you famous, yeah, that's yes, that's Young Guns too. Exactly. It's funny because Young Guns two gets a really bad rap, but I actually remember enjoying it. Whereas with this particular picture, while I didn't hate it, <laughs> while I didn't hate it, there was a couple of key things that just drove me nuts. I will say, let's start on the positive. I am not. I, I love history. I'm a, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a bit of a history buff. Obviously, I love movie history, but. all sorts of history and I am totally cool with them taking dramatic license with history because obviously none of this crap happened I mean I I believe that yes exactly you know there was a a connection between you know Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett but none of this movie happened so and I'm fine with that that's cool because you know and 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 I would have been fine with it basically where my big beef with this movie comes from is in the writing not that it was, you know, bad dialogue or poorly acted or anything like that. It was the story is kind of all over the place. And I never felt like there was any, like you said, it's Billy the Kid story. No, it's not. 
It's Doc's story. Oh wait, no, it's not. Yeah. It's it's uh, uh Richard uh, Charlie Sheen's character. Oh wait, no, it's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. we need. I felt like. They were trying to make a Billy the Kid story because obviously they, this is kind of like the Brat Pack version of a Western. So, you know, the only people that were missing were like Andrew McCarthy and, you know, Judd Nelson and a few of the other ones, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 I, and I just kind of felt like they were, you know, they're trying to make it kind of hip and cool and play up the rebel angle and, you know, kind of going against the man and, and, and the machine. And that's all fine and dandy, except here's the problem. If you're going to have a character... <laughs> Um, i.e. Billy the Kid, and you're going to try and give him some sense of moral superiority against these really bad folks by making him, and I'm not putting an explicit tag, but I'm going to give you a warning real quick. If you have little ones around, please cover their ears or turn this down or mute it, and hopefully you're not blaring at speakers at work. If you're going to make him batshit crazy, okay, <laughs> and blood and just cold-blooded, but yet still kind of show things through his eyes, but then not. The problem I've got is it's bull crap. It's total crap, man. It, it, you can't have it be, you know, oh, William H. Bonnie. And, and, you know, he's, 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 oh, look at him. He's kind of crazy. And he's a, he's a loose cannon. And he's a, uh-huh, uh, he does his horror. You know, he does these things. And then later on, have him have the high and mighty speech about, we'll show him who's doing the real killing down here. Um, you are, dork. I mean, the McCluskey. Yeah, but I never, I never gotten that. No, no. Okay, first of all, let me tell you why you are completely and utterly wrong. Oh, please do. Because it won't take long. Oh, good. Go for it. <laughs> no, I never took it like his high and mighty speech of you know let's get President Hayes down here and find he'll see who the real killings. No, that still was batshit crazy. That never came across to me like it was really a soapbox speech where it was meant to make you feel like oh he's justified. I mean. You know, watching this again, it was you go through it. It's like, okay, he's using this as an excuse, but no, he's still a d bag, and you like him because he's kind of like crazy a little bit. But I never felt like they made this kind of uh, connection that he was doing something righteous or good. It was just he's a psychopath. But see, know? no, but see, so, but but here here lies the rub, and why and why I may, may I might have point out now why I'm now batting it back to you why you're wrong. The, the 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 real the 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 flaw in that argument is okay. I'll accept that that if that were true, then they should have given a uh, they should have given him some kind of tell to let you know that this was all just kind of a big kind of plan in his head to just have a big like have him say something off the cuff, get a twinkle in his eye, something at that moment when he has that little speech with Alex. But not even that. Earlier on, he's the one that sort of gets them all like ginned up. Um, once they get, you know, to, to become the regulators and he's, he has this, like somehow this, this loyalty to, to Tunstall. Why? I mean, don't worry, Tunstall saved his butt, but he's crazy. So he shouldn't care. Yeah. You know no, what I'm saying? Like, really, no, there wasn't a connection. No, there was no connection. But I felt like he used that, that got... as his excuse, his motivation. Okay. And if you want to make the argument, yeah, but not in a, but, but he did, but not in a way that I think the filmmaker did for us. I think it was more of a, he spent what? At max, a week there at oh, that yeah. place? Yeah, I know. And, and he, so he, there was no connection with it. I think this was a, the sto- what I got out of this entire thing, it was the story of the people behind him and how they were all sort of good people with honor. And because they had agreed to stick together and follow each other and take care of each other, and because this crazy guy, 
became part of their group, they felt obliged to follow him because that's – or to not follow him like as a leader, but to stick with him uh, at least initially. And then afterwards, after a while, it was out of necessity because they were just going to die and he was just kind of you know, crazy in that part. But um, they they kind of stuck around him and all the the bad stuff that happened to all these good people. He was not the good one. I took him as – he was just as bad. And you know that that's something funny that I, I didn't remember uh, – from the first time, I always thought, you know, just thinking back on the movie before I rewatched it recently, yeah. that he was kind of the sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. But going back and watching it, I thought in this one at least, maybe in the second one, I have to rewatch it again. Maybe he was more in the second. He was not the sympathetic character in this one. You, f- I felt more for Keith Sutherland's character, yeah, Doc. Doc, and Richard. and Dick Brewer, who, yeah. who was you know Charlie Sheen, yeah. and, and even for you know Charlie, and even for Dirty Steve, you know the crazy guy. You see the size of that chicken. Dude, I swear to God, if he could stuff any more chaw in his mouth. <laughs> oh, he he tried he to. Like did Jason you see Chami. how he? Did you see how he? Did you see how he uh, rose up out of that hot sauna with Kiefer? Dude, that was an awkward scene. I'm, we're going to get into that massive, yeah, problem so with that I, whole sequence. We'll at least give you this. Yeah, I like the character, the cast of characters in this. Like, I like that it's Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland. But I think I probably would like the second one better. Because there were definitely some holes in this that I didn't like, and there were some things I didn't remember about it that were like, um, well, here, we, and I'll guess... give you my big. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say back just because just to wrap up the whole the problem I had with it, it yeah, was it yeah. wasn't just that he came across as sanctimonious, and I'm sorry, we'll agree to disagree. I think they were trying to give him some semblance of honor as if he was somehow morally superior to these you know this these jerk offs that were going around killing everybody. Which don't get me wrong, he could have been had they played him differently. Yeah. But the point to me I that they, if that's what they were trying to do, they didn't do it very well. well and here's yeah, the here's the problem: they yeah. could have done it, but there is this unwritten rule. Shot first. Uh, there's an unwritten rule where if a character, if you're going to try and make him have some level of honor, at least, yeah, okay, maybe Han did shoot first, but Greedo had his gun pulled on him. So it wasn't like Greedo was unarmed or didn't have his gun out, you know? When you look at this yeah. movie, every person this guy just about shot was, I mean, he may have had a gun on him, but they didn't have it out. They weren't, he wasn't in any kind of danger, you know, right, all, like an immediate. Like the whole scene with McCluskey, major spoiler alert. You know, obviously, as soon as that guy showed up from Murphy's camp, he kicked me out. Yeah, right. He's a spy. You knew he was a spy. And I can accept that they thought he was a spy, so they would have done something to him. But there was no evidence other than he's acting funny. Yeah. And that was it. And, he was... Sh- and it blows his effing brains out i mean it was just yeah, cold-blooded and, and look and i wouldn't have had a pro i don't have a problem with him being a cold-blooded character but here's where i have the problem because there was not a well-defined protagonist through whose eyes we were doing this whole movie who's who in other words i don't i feel like on one level who's you know at the end of the day a, a kind of a classic three-act structured story is about a character trying to achieve a goal who had the goal here okay let's say it's about avenging the death of uh tunstall Right at the end of the day, which was the whole group's goal, collective goal. But it really wasn't Billy's, yet we're supposed to kind of buy him as the main guy because he was the most marketable, which is totally why they were playing it up. I think it would have worked better had it been Doc's story so that when we, you know, we, we really saw that Doc's real like internal goal was all about him trying to get away, trying to escape this life 100 percent, you know, fall in love with this girl and take her out of there. And that's his driving force, his goal. And the only way maybe he can achieve that would be to help 
Billy kill Murphy or something to that effect, you know, to get hit, to get what he wants. I I could have, in that way, we could have seen Billy through this guy's eyes. And maybe at first he, you know, builds Billy up as being this heroic figure. And over time we see him, you know, deteriorate as I think spiral out of control. And and I think you would, you could have, they, they had the potential for that. But it was just they didn't bother. It was like they were just jumping around between all these different little storylines, and it just it didn't work for. Me. And then like the Richard character, the Charlie Sheen character, he'd have been another one that I think it would have been interesting. Him and Billy yeah. as like protagonist, almost more so than Murphy. Like had they been like because they kind of play them up as like internal protagonist and antagonist. Right, right, right. And I think that would have been really cool if you know we could have kind of had that last longer than halfway through the movie. Yeah. I think they do that more in the second one. In yes, Young I agree. Two, with as that. I recall, Christian Slater, Kiefer character. Sutherland. Yes, and Christian Slater. It, it's they they play that a lot better in that one. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's why I say I think I like the the second one a little better. Um, because I think they just they they get that out, and he his crazy comes across Emilio Estevez's crazy comes across in the second one a little better mm-hmm. because it, this one they did just kind of it didn't work as. You know, it didn't work real well um, from that standpoint. He was not the honorable character in this, in my eyes anyway. Mm. He was kind of the the one who was along for the ride. This was a rush for him. He liked doing it. And the more crazy it got, mm-hmm. the better he liked it, which was what it was about. But um, that having been said, I think they they were trying to take, like you said, that brat pack yeah. kind of um, uh, approach to this with these young up-and-comers. And, and it worked better, I think, later on, a couple years later in Youngins too. Well, and, and they were trying There were a couple of things. Go ahead. Um, there were a couple of things with this, the the plot, though. Yeah, no not kidding. the plot, maybe. Yeah, that that ate me up a little bit more. Like there, this what we're talking about, Billy the Kid being the central character, and whether or not he's sympathetic or not. That's a pretty highbrow discussion there. But there were some shorter, smaller ones that were a little easier pickings. Mm-hmm. I'll say. <laughs> I'm gonna skip right to the end. Can we do yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. End. Okay. And major spoiler alert, at the end, yeah. the vast majority of the gang, including the two women folk that kind of come along with them at certain points in the, in the movie, are all trapped inside of um, McSweeney's house. And Assault on Precinct uh, 13 style. <laughs> and not, no, not even that good. Uh, um, for, they're all in this, this old house in the middle of town, and then the, everybody surrounds them, all Murphy's men, and then a legion of... Of U.S. Cavalry. cavalry. Yes. <laughs> the U.S. Cavalry comes up, Army, and they're, I guess, kind of also under Murphy's thumb because he talks to the, the colonel there or whatever, like, if you ever want to be elected in government, you'll do what I tell you. So then the Army surrounds them. So they're all there, and this is the big finale scene. So how do they escape this? So- oh, wait, wait, Jason, 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 isn't it where they come running out and they start shooting and it freeze frames and we hear gunshots going off full credits? <laughs> oh, wait, that's a different movie. Yeah, that was. Bush no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry about that one. Um, yeah, in this. Yeah, I already said the spoiler. So <laughs> that's we're true. In spoiler zone. That's true. You're right. You're right. Spoiler within a spoiler. So, Meta spoiler. Yep. So they then set the house on fire. <laughs> The first floor. Yes. So they're stuck in the top floor and they're shooting out. They're they're trying, you know, all these bad guys in the army are shooting in through this house. And I won't even mention the fact that these houses are made of wood, probably very thin wood. And so hiding behind the wall is doing nothing. Balsa. Okay. Yeah. They're all hiding behind the wall like it's made of steel and no bullets are going to come through Uh it. But okay. I'll leave that one alone. No. What we're going to do 
is we are going to push Billy the Kid in a trunk out of the to- the root the, uh, the second story. <laughs> and he's just going to kind of tumble down and land uh, perfectly the on trunk, the yeah. trunk. Yeah, the trunk. Yeah, he's bottom. in the trunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a steamer trunk, right? Isn't that what it was? Like an old steamer trunk. Yes, it was yeah. like a big steamer trunk, yeah. and they because they were throwing all the stuff out, like the house on fire, and they're throwing stuff out, like trying to save things in the house. Yes. So they won't notice we throw this big trunk out, and then all we're going to do is we're going to drop everything into slow motion. <laughs> Everybody starts coming out of the house shooting, yeah. and yeah. then they can escape an entire. No, regiment. no, no. Wait, you left out a key element. Chavez, the Lou Diamond Phillips character, uh, uh, mild disclaimer, uh, Chavez, not meant to be a horrifically stereotyped uh, racist, uh, uh, quote-unquote, engine who uh, and and is and is one who has a, actually no they keep calling him Mexican greaser I think yeah that's right yes um, and and what 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 one what I I found out when I was like nineteen or twenty years old that I have like some Cherokee in me. And so I have the zero, but I have zero connection at all to like that, 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 that part of me. But let me tell you, even I found it borderline offensive to the, the spirits, <laughs> yeah. the spirit world. Oh, give me a friend. Don't, don't, I know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe in that time, but it was just so anyway. Yeah. So yes, he <sighs> yeah. sneaks out. At yeah, one somehow. Yes. Yeah, so, explain to me. How did yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips get out of the freaking house? That's where I'm going with this. How did he, he get looks around the... and he's like, hmm. And you can almost see the dialogue going through his head. It's like. I think it's time for me to get out of here and go find some horses. I know how he got out, Jason. Jason, he was walking in the spirit world. They couldn't see him. <laughs> they they set yeah. that up earlier. They set that up earlier. Yeah, so he the just gets out somehow. Yeah. And they all decide that they're going to go out and they start running out of the house, shooting their guns. And here comes Chavez with the horses. And he runs up to the front of the house. Now he's running between the army yeah, and these guys that are shooting. Where did they go, and, by the way? Because it was like whenever they shut to, they cut to a uh, like they cross cut between the 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 regulators escaping and any of the uh, their antagonists <laughs> shooting at them. There was like three guys. Yeah. No. Here's what we're gonna do. We're the army, and there are bad guys in this house in the middle of town. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna set up a line, one little kind of curved line right in front of the front porch of the house. We're not going to send any guys around the side or the back because, you know, we're just going to be out front. Because if they escape, they're just going to run out front. Of course, that's where they're going to go. Where else are they going to go? Out back? Yeah. Come on. Come on. So that when they actually all escape, there's nobody at any other part of the house. They all just kind of come out and they all start riding down the street away from the house. There's nobody else there. <laughs> I know. It was bizarre. It was so like, – you almost could see them like when they got to that scene, they're, they're blocking it out. And they just, can you just picture them going – Oh, crap. This isn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I can see the director. He's looking at the shot, and he's thinking, no, Ooh. no, there's too many army guys in there. Hey, you guys over there, and let, move out. Yeah. Okay. Well, but, but we no, were here, no, and the other – no, I don't care. We have to cheat you over. No, Just... yeah, no, no, keep going. I can't, okay, now wait. Yeah. You guys on the right, you, you guys yeah. go too. Okay, now you – Everybody, just get out. <laughs> um, Fatty McFatFat, yeah, you, that are supposed to be this great gunslinger, which in one oh – and one shot they show you, and you're like – don't look anything like this, but now you apparently look like while you were waiting for them in the house, you gained 200 pounds. You're going to stand here so that you and Charlie can have the final shootout because that'll be inspirational. <laughs> well, and not only that, not only that, in the walking from the, I guess, the porch of the saloon to the front line, which is maybe, I'm going to give them a generous 100 yards when they walk with the colonel and Murphy and the the bounty hunter, whatever his name was, um, John Kinney or whatever. In that 
hundred yards, he takes like four swigs off of this big whiskey bottle because he just has to be the stereotypical cowboy oh, yeah. chugging on a bottle of whiskey. And I'm thinking this guy is going to be out on the floor yeah. by the time he gets up there to shoot. He's not going to be worth shooting. You know, he can't shoot anything from that. But yeah, yeah. So that part bothered me when they all kind of made this great escape and uh, nobody gets well. A couple people kind of get shot. In yeah, it, but. They, they all, and there's the army there, and then of course, grand finale. Terry O'Quinn's character comes out. Yeah, what was with that? A handkerchief, with a handkerchief saying, "Yeah, boys, yeah, you run, yeah," and then somebody just unloads a Gatling gun on him. Bop, bop, Where bop, was bop, that Gatling gun bop, bop, this bop. whole time, by the way? Yeah, I. Well, oh, we we're saving it for the, the unarmed man. Trailer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're saving. Oh it for- wait, he's cheering on the bad guys. We must kill him. Yes. And I will say this, and this proving my point that Terry Quinn is one of the greatest living actors. That role with just about anybody else would have been the most forgettable. It would have been Pat Garrett in this movie. It would have been like, yeah. who gives a crap? You know what I'm saying? No, he you, was great. Yeah, the, He the, took the a nothing scenes, role, yeah. and yes, and he actually made you give a crap about this guy. And I would have rather seen it through his eyes. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I, I don't disagree with you. Okay. Okay. Well, we agree to agree then. Tombstone was better anyway. I'm I'm your Huckleberry. I love Tombstone except for that stupid scene with Wyatt Earp and the chick on the blanket talking for like an hour. God, you I know hate what that he... is. You know what that is? That's the Anakin love scene. Yes, it is. Oh no, no, I know that. I know that. It drives me up the freaking wall. I hate that crap. I hate it. And you know what? I even hate it when it's a sex scene. Although I guess if you want to be like fourteen years old, oh, they do show boobies. But the fact is, I any any time they put the brakes on a story. The only yeah. movie, in my opinion, that's ever been justified to have a quote-unquote love scene, whether it's people talking on a blanket or doing it on a blanket, was Terminator. Why? Because it was kind of essential to the plot. But other oh, than that... the best love scene was? Last Tango in Paris. Mega Piranha. Because as soon as they got off that blanket and got in the water, oh yeah, it was bloodbath time. Yeah, well, they all had it coming <laughs> from Mega JJ. So Jason, on that note... On that note... On that note, <laughs> would you um, would you uh, be interested in perhaps um, discussing um, I don't know six flicks picks? Yeah, that's probably how this one's gonna go because. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Blowing up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jason, what is your first pick for our six flicks picks of 80s westerns? <laughs> 80s, Jason. 80s. Eh, I know, I know. It's. <laughs> I'm going to stretch it a little, but the, my first one, I'm going to stick squarely in the 80s with the 1983 and probably the greatest badass of all time, Chuck Norris in Lone Wolf McQuaid. <laughs> And this is not your old West Western, but if there is a better Texas Ranger on the planet Earth, I dare you to show me him. That show, and if that you show do, though, I bet you Chuck Norris will kick his ass. I, you know what? So. I love Chuck Norris. That was an awful show. Oh, Walker, Texas yes. Ranger. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, talking about a Ranger, a Texas. Admit Ranger. you liked it. Uh, I never really watched it. I never kidding. really watched it that much. Yeah. I would. I'd admit if I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I just never watched it. Anyway, yeah, Chuck Norris plays the, yeah, insert stereotypical cop story here. He's the, 
Um, he's the lone gun who does things his way and uh, that's fights fascinating. I've never heard this story before. <laughs> yes, and ends up uh, uh, turning in his badge so he can go after the bad guy and on his own terms. Whoa. And yeah, that's pretty much what happens here. But the cool twist is the bad guy is David Carradine. Oh, well, that's and cool. The he plays this this drug lord who and we transvestite in a cl- oh wait <laughs> he plays the drug lord who uh, dresses up in leather and no. I can't is it too soon should we not have yeah, no no we can jump right in thank you very much closets and all um yeah so <laughs> no he he basically and we talk about this when we talked about assault on precinct thirteen about how quaint it is when a movie from the eighties makes such a big deal about the bad guy get getting a hold of machine guns. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah, the big thing in this is this drug lord uh, played by David Carradine, uh, Wilkes is his name, gets a hold of these machine guns from the military and Uh-oh. arms his gang with them. And that's where Chuck Norris's character, J.J. McQuaid, has to put some smack down on him. And he, um, he ends up getting – when he t- kind of turns in his badge, but then he – gets recruited by the FBI because they also want to bring down Wilkes. So um, his two sidekicks, his wolf pack, are (laughs) Leon Isaac Kennedy, who plays Jackson, and one of our favorites, Robert Beltran. Yes, Hector. Comets and uh, was also in Eating Raul. He's he's one-third owner of the um, Greater Los Angeles Basin. That's right. They're donors, great the Los Angeles Basin. Um, and so the three of them go in on an ass-kicking mission to this, you know, the uh, Kingpin's camp, which is lots of good explosions and gunfire and things of that nature. But it ends in a great martial arts battle between David Carradine and Chuck Norris, which really is not that great of a battle. But anytime you watch Chuck Norris fight, which I don't know if you knew this, you probably did, but being a Kung Fu fan, I had to bring this up. Oh, yeah. You know, Chuck Norris was schooled by Bruce Lee. So you don't mess with the chalk. Nope. Yeah. You know what's so, behind Chuck anyway. Norris's beard? What? Another fist. <laughs> you know Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups? No. He pushes the earth down. <laughs> I love all of those, those Chuck Norris t-shirts. I, we're, you know, we're really cutting edge here on the Forgotten Flicks podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, some, like... Five years old, right? If that. If <laughs> yeah. that. The boogeyman has Chuck Norris in his closet. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, 1983, Lone Wolf McQuaid. If you're a fan, especially of the shoot 'em up explosion kind of uh, uh, genre of the – I would say this is kind of more of the 70s style, um, even though it's 1983, but it's a definitely a good one to catch, especially if you're a Chuck fan. So, And if you're anyway. not, you better be afraid. You better be He's very – Afraid. <laughs> so on that note, Jay, my um, my next pick, our next pick, I should say, since this would be my first, first pick. pick. Yes. Our next pick is Silverado from 1985. And it is uh, written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Did a couple really, really small pictures. Um, you might have heard of them. You know, he wrote them. Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. I don't know if those ring a bell. Yeah, old movies. I've never seen yeah, them. Yeah. He movies. also wrote and directed uh, Body Heat uh, with William Hurt and Kathleen Turner. <laughs> That's a naughty movie. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and a movie that I will give it credit because pretty much all the hot and heavy horn dog stuff at least goes with the plot. Um, sure it does. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he also uh, wrote and directed The Big Chill, a movie that under normal circumstances would annoy the crap out of me, but for some reason I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, just a bunch of, you know, baby boomers sitting around kind of feeling sorry for themselves, which normally would annoy me, but it's a great movie, so I don't care. <laughs> it annoys me when a bunch of people sit around feeling sorry for themselves anyway, but that's because I'm a insensitive bastard. Okay, so Silverado <laughs> tells the tale of cowboys. The end. <laughs> Although what I learned from the trailer, Jay, it's how the West was fun. Oh, no. They totally went there. <laughs> See how the West was fun. Oh, Get yeah. it? <laughs> oh, God. So, yes, um, Emmett's played by Scott Glenn. You might remember he from the uh, from Silence of the Lambs and many and many and other motion pictures. I think was he in Backdraft? Yes, he was. He's been in a ton, uh, right stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff, <laughs> and he is a, a a cowboy. He teams up with another cowboy that he that he comes across who has been beaten down and pretty much left for dead. Played by the great Kevin Klein, one of your faves, Jay. Mm-hmm. Actually, I thought you didn't like Kevin Klein. I don't. Why don't you like Kevin Klein? I just did. You man. like a fish called Wanda? If I said no, would you? Scream? Oh my. God, you don't like a fish called Wanda? It's okay. It's not bad. I'm not going to hate on it. But Dude, that's like the Monty Python film that wasn't a Monty Python film. I'm just not a big Kevin Klein fan. Sorry. To the point where you wouldn't like, oh, that's right, you don't like Jamie Lee Curtis either. Oh, God, there's there's a two. <laughs> you see how this movie's adding up for me? But it has John Cleese in it. Michael Palin. Yes, he's the he. Yeah, yeah, there's the Monty Pythons, and I do like Monty Python. So John Cleason. Yeah, but uh, no. Fine. Anyway, they team up. They end up going to a town to rescue uh, Emmett's kid brother, who's in jail. uh, Jake, who is played by Kevin Costner. And I guess this was Lawrence Kasdan's way of throwing Mr. Costner a bone because originally Costner was the corpse in Big Chill that they never showed. (laughs) <laughs> he, was, he was the reason that all the guys, the guys and gals come back together in the big chill. Well, they yep. never actually showed the body. And, uh, you know, that was the Costner. So I guess this is his paper. Sorry. Yeah. Oopsie. So they end up, you know, teaming up with some other uh, cowboys, um, including Danny Glover, who plays Mal or Mal or whatever. It means bad in Spanish. I know that. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're run out of, well, he was run out of town by a sheriff played by John Cleese. Huh? Huh? Like mm-hmm. I'm bringing this all back mm-hmm. around. Kevin Klein, John this Cleese. This is how the West was fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's wacky shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, long story short, they're all heading to Silverado. Um, they all have sort of their little, you know, big bads and secret demons that they're fighting, et cetera, et cetera. I have to be honest. This is one of those movies, much like Spies Like Us, that I've never watched from beginning to end. I've You've seen, seen it all. You've I've seen, seen it. it yes. I see it yeah. like I'll see like a third of it and then walk away because I'm bored. Yeah. And then I'll come back. <laughs> and then I'll, Oh, it's on TV. Oh, I'll watch it from yeah. this point on. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw this. Oh, wait. OK. Yeah, and this is something new. <laughs> yeah, I just. So why did I pick it? Well, because it's a freaking Western from the 80s, people. It was this or the gambler. Seriously. So uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it has an awesome poster and mainly because of Lawrence Kasdan, because come on, if the guy had done nothing other than yeah. write Raiders of Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's worth watching. It is other films. But it does have an amazing cast, um, including all the people I mentioned. It has Brian Dennehy, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Linda Hunt, who was, of course, Mm -hmm. the inspiration for 
Edna Mode. In The Incredibles. And um, has, uh, I said Jeff Goldblum, right? Yes. Uh, it had Jeff Fahey. That was the other one I wanted to mention. Remember Jeff Fahey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Frank Lapidus from Lost. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, oh, crap, why am I? It wasn't Jacob. Not from Lost. I'm thinking of Lawnmower Man. What was the character's name in Lawnmower Man? Was it Jacob? I think it was Jacob. Or Jethro. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, it wasn't Jethro. I know he mowed Yeah, Lars. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, he's the, he was the main guy in Lawnmower Man. Yeah. Yes, yes. But anyway, so yes, that's Silverado. That's the fifth pick. Jay, what you got for me? Ah. Hit me with some knowledge. All right. I'm going to bend the rules slightly. And I'm going to bring one under the wire with Quigley Down Under, which was 1990. Oh, no. No. I call foul. Foul. <laughs> foul. Technically, it was filmed in the 80s. Does well, and let's be honest, dude. The 90s was basically the 80s. Let me look at that hair. The first two 90s, yes. And it stars one of the greatest mustaches of all time, Tom Selleck. And it is basically the story of Job. Um, it was Job. <laughs> Job was Jeff Fahey and Lawnmower Man. That's right. It was Dang, Job. I knew it started it with a J. It was kind of a biblical name. Yeah, that's what I was thinking Jacob. Yeah, gee, my knees. How could I get that wrong? I'm sorry. Anyway, this is the story of, of uh, Matt Quigley. This is kind of a cool twist on the Western. I actually liked – I really liked this movie. It's the story of Quigley, who was recruited from Montana, uh, kind of out in the Old West. He's this crackpot shot with this amazing long rifle he has. He can shoot at amazing distances. He's very, very accurate. And so this rancher from Australia hires him to come be kind of protection on his ranch. Well, when he shows up in in the outback, uh, he realizes that the guy that hired him, Marsden, was actually this crazy psychopath who wanted Tom Selleck to shoot the Aborigines and keep them away from his ranch and and everything and so uh it it he decides he wants nothing to do with it well then marsden wants to have him killed and kind of goes after him and um tom Selleck will have none of that and then it kind of has this great um, um scene at the end this, this this great um finale gun battle and stuff but it's it's really cool and and marston who is the bad guy is played by alan rickman who was probably first famous in die hard and then oh no, he did some stuff before it. I heard, but I'd say it's probably what because the role that you know made him known. Uh, yeah, I mean that was his first thing. That was kind of the first. That was probably one of his biggest early roles was in uh, Die Hard. But then most recently, he is astronomically famous for being in Harry Potter. Um, he is Severus Snape. He's Professor Snape from the Harry Potter series. So. Harry Potter. Now is that a is that a movie? It's a, I think it's a kids movie. Is it a? I heard it was a. I thought it was a children's book. It might be, hmm. but I think they did an adaptation. It might be animated. I don't. I don't. I've seen the stupid stuff. Whatever it okay. is, my kids talk about. It. Kids yeah. talk. So, anyway, kids talk um, about strange things, my friend. Uh, you you would really be surprised. <laughs> you would. It, yes, they talk about very weird things. Um, but anyway, so Alan Rickman plays a good bad guy in this. He plays a very uh kind of despicable Hold on. sorry i was trying to keep something up on youtube <laughs> and the romancing the stone song romancing the stone wow it was the last thing i had romancing on here dang it anyway see now you're way messing with me so anyway i'll just leave it at this is a, a it's all set in australia which in the outback is very similar to kind of the Old West in that it's very desert-like and they, it's uh, has that same dirty, dusty feel to it. Oh, like a lot of the old spaghetti westerns did because they were filmed in Italy. 
you know. So um, it works in the story, and it also stars uh, Laura San Giacomo, who was in um, Just Shoot Me. She was kind of the one of the main characters in that, and then she's been in a couple other movies. What was the other one you said? Uh, it was um, uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and The Stand, the TV miniseries. The Stand in the TV version of The Stand, yeah. But she plays kind of the love interest in this, his... His uh, the girl he meets down under, and so um, anyway, so quickly down under, nineteen ninety, great movie. Yes, for Your turn. <laughs> my my, next, my pick <laughs> is nineteen eighty eight sunset. Huh? Huh? Anybody? Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Hello? Gambler? What? What? Gambler? Yes, this starred a guy you might have heard of, Bruce Willis, maybe. Huh. Bruce Willis, uh, James Garner. It came out the same year as Die Hard. This was obviously the bigger motion picture it was directed and written by a mr blake edwards he who gave us 10 and pink panther and all sorts of good stuff and was married uh, to the wonderful julie andrews also known as mary poppins kids mm. huh anyone so bruce willis plays tom mix legendary western actor. It's, it's this is what this much like young guns is quote unquote based on even less of a true story and true events as, as opposed to just people that actually lived because None of this stuff really happened. But uh, Tom Mix, uh, the Western star, played by Bruce Willis, is going to be playing Wyatt Earp in an upcoming um, Western motion picture in 1920s Hollywood. So they bring in the actual Wyatt Earp as a technical advisor. He is played by Mr. Robert Garner. Also, you know, from uh, Rock... Did I, did I see Robert Garner? Why don't, what's wrong with me tonight? James. I meant James Garner. Yes, that's what have I meant. Drinking my, have you I drinking dude, my... I don't know. I'm out of it. James Robert Garner. I don't even know who that is. Some guy. There's some guy out there going, I wasn't in that movie. <laughs> James Garner, also known as Rockford of the Rockford Files. Uh, he's yes. also in another great Western. Was he? Maverick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He wasn't he was on the TV Gibson. show too, right? Uh yes, he was yeah. in the original TV show, but then when they did yeah. the newer movie version in the nineties. Yeah. In the mid-90s, he was in that. That's one, right, so that yes. Was, well, and a little a tidbit, if uh, Wikipedia is to be believed, he was also in John Sturge's uh, Hour of the Gun, which was where he actually played Wyatt Earp in that picture as well. Now, this is more, Sunset is more of a comedy, a kind of a murder mystery comedy, because long yeah. story short, Wyatt Earp comes to town. He and, and Tom Mix end up joining forces to solve this you know, mystery and it involves uh, you know, like a corrupt studio head, which is totally crazy talk. Talk about unbelievable. I mean, really, I... really. And there's like a corrupt, you know, uh, uh, police chief in L.A. <laughs> yeah. What? Come on, really? <laughs> and uh, so all sorts of corruption going on here. And they, they sort of joined forces. And But it does have a pretty cool cast because as well as those two, it has Malcolm McDowell and Mariel Hemingway, Kathleen mm-hmm. Quinlan. And it also has Emmett Walsh. We've mentioned him several times on the, on the shizzo here. And ready for it? Dermot Mulroney. Also known as Dirty, ah. Dirty Steve, right? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. So uh, he actually made this the year later. So oh. nice little connection. So yes, Sunset. I remember renting this um, when I was going through my "Wish I Was John McClane" man crush on Bruce Willis phase, and rented <laughs> everything he was in, including Blind Date and the Moonlighting TV pilot movie. And uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, <God>. and I, <laughs> this was one of the ones I wow. actually rented. So yes, yeah. Sunset, nineteen eighty eight. Jay, what you got up for us for number two? All right. This is uh this should be close to the top, if not the top, of anybody's must watch westerns of any decade. Um, and it is Pale Rider, 
1985. It's one of my favorite westerns. It stars the probably quintessential cowboy in my mind in Clint Eastwood, um, and also Unforgiven is you know I think probably number two on my list. But all of them star Clint Eastwood. But he plays basically this character that uh, um, a small little mining camp is being harassed by a terrible landowner who wants to take over their their town, and this uh, he sends his thugs in as in a lot of these movies have. And, uh, the little girl, Megan, who's played by Sydney Penny. And she's, she's a soap opera staple. So if you watch soaps, you, you probably know her, but she's a young, a little girl in this probably 10, maybe 12. And she, her dog gets killed in the beginning. I love how you laugh by the bad guys. <laughs> because it's funny. It's a funny way for, cause what she does next is she goes to bury her dog and she starts saying the Lord's prayer, but then she starts kind of ad libbing parts of it. Like, you know, I, I I shall not want, but I do want. And you, and, and she's kind of talking to God and saying, "We need a miracle, and you need to do something, or we're going to die." And so, as she finishes this prayer, she kind of gets smartass about, the, you know, the, they need God's help. All of a sudden, this they kind of start showing the silhouette of Clint Eastwood's character, the preacher. He's just known as the preacher, and he is supposed to be a pseudonym in this entire movie for, you know, like a an archangel. He's kind of death on a on a pale horse and hell came with him you know that's kind of the the theme of this he's the untouchable and he's bringing um uh, you know the the uh, damnation with him and so he kind of becomes the savior of this town it's also got michael michael moriarty who was in law and order was a played one of the district attorneys in that was really good in that and Um, was in it's alive the stuff and q the winged serpent oh yes that's right um which we have have in on the website we yep have a, yep dave and, uh, and nathan but, did a little talk about yep. that yep yep and it also stars richard keel who if you do not know who that is he is the jaws um jaws yeah yep. from um james bond and he is the super giant tall big guy that speaks with this big booming voice He's ego also, yeah <laughs> give us the ego um, he plays yeah, um, that's a Jason movie, dude. That's uh, that's a deep fried cheese. I have seen parts of it. Yeah, I yeah. have seen the clips of it. But yeah, Ray Dennis Steckler was involved in that. That's a that's right. That movie yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he plays this giant cowboy. He's just basically one of the other. I, I bring him up because he's great in that. He basically is going to come and kick the preacher's ass, and they he comes in riding on a horse. First of all, it looks like he's riding on a dog because <laughs> he's so much bigger than this horse. Um, and he comes in, and they have this great fight scene. And for all you guys who have not seen this movie, watch this scene, but be forewarned. It involves a sledgehammer and maybe somebody's crotch. So, Hey, Jason. It, it's, you know why, Jason? Jason, I've never seen this movie. Haven't you? Never. Never, really. Never. You've got to rent it. And you know what's funny? It's, when you told me, when you they were like saying about like in the eighties, I was like, I had, it took me a second. I was like, for whatever reason, all of his westerns, I always equate to the sixties or early seventies. Like I don't ever think of yes. it as being like I. I was like eighty five, because other than Unforgiven, yeah. I don't think of him having yep. a western that came out like post nineteen seventy or whatever the last one he did was. Well, some of his best were the sixties. I mean, yeah. you know, mid sixties to late sixties. But this is the only one of his movies. Oh, I take that. Unforgiven, I saw in the theaters. This is the only one of what I would consider his older yeah. um, westerns that I actually saw in the theaters. I went to see this with my best friend at the time, and um, I absolutely fell in love with it. And that's when I kind of went back and started watching his older films and and uh, um, those. But this is just a very quintessential. There's a great 
you know, gunfight in it. It's not stereotypical, and this kind of has a neat twist to it. And um, it's it's really a great movie. If you haven't seen it? It's definitely worth the you know the two hours you know it is to watch it. But um, it's a good one. But yeah, 1985, Pale Rider, uh, directed by Clint Eastwood. Also, so ah, don't forget cool, that. Cool, cool. So. All right. Well, Jason, number one. Keeping it simple, folks. The best western of the last thirty years. Give me something gritty. Three amigos. Give me something real. Three am- three amigos. <laughs> Starring Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and the great, great Martin Short. <laughs> yes, this little. It's a mail plane. <laughs> it, how do you? How can you tell? Can't you see the little balls there? <laughs> Would you say I have a plethora? Of horses? See, we're pulling this into the last episode. Yeah. yeah. yeah I see you, El Guapo. I see you. Have a, you have a plethora. So, yes, it was directed by, Three Amigos was directed by John Landis. And off the top of my head may have been the last funny movie he made. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Back of the Truck, Coming to America came out after this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't that much longer after that, that he made The Stupids and Blues Brothers 2000. Uh, How the mighty have fallen. Mm. Yeah, The Stupids played in the theater when I was there. I'm not joking. The first week it was out, my sister, on a freebie pass of me just letting her go in there, is the only person that went to see that movie in our theater. (laughs) We we pulled it before... It made exactly... Negative. It made it made no <laughs> literally zero dollars. Wow. Yeah, it was awful. Yes. But yes, the Three Amigos so is at a. At least he has Three Amigos. Yes, he does. And Coming to America, and a few other <laughs> yes. movies that like Blues Brothers, American Wolf, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know Animal House. But other than that, I mean nothing. So yes, Three Amigos, starring those three awesome dudes. It takes place in the teens, I do believe. Uh, they are silent movie stars, and they are fired. From their position at the at the studio, I don't remember the name of the studio. I thought my head. Jason, do you recall what it is? No, no, I don't remember what it's called. Okay, well, Steve Martin is is Lucky Day, and Chevy Chase is Dusty Bottoms, and Martin Sheen is Ned Needlander, and they are they are needing funds, and in classic, you know, Western style, they you know. Uh, I guess a, in a small village in Mexico, they're being, you know, summarily pillaged and and, and taken over by these uh, you know, banditos uh, led by El Guapo, who was played by Jason, Jason, Alfonso Arau, Arau, or whatever. Um, <laughs> he said lipidly. <laughs> um, yes, he was also in *Romancing the Stone*, as we as we recall. And he, yes, he plays a guapo who is the leader of the henchmen and, and they're, you know, treating these people badly. Well, a young woman, beautiful young woman in the village watches a, a movie with the three amigos, of course, thinks that they're really heroes. <laughs> so she goes to Hollywood, hires them, has them come out to her village. They think they're there to put on a show like a very much Bugs Life, pretty much. This is the plot of Bugs Life. Ah, good call. Ah, you yeah, like that? I never put those two together. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess Bugs Life would be ripping this off, not the other way around. Wow, way to be original, Pixar. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so so they go there thinking they're putting on a show. Well, it turns out not so much. You're here to fight El Guapo. 
and all sorts of wacky shenanigans ensue. I don't want to give anything away. It's a funny movie. It's classic. It's cheese balls all get out. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people that just think it's stupid, but it's if you like stupid funny, this is the movie for you. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that that's, uh, this is, has a, a lot of cameos in it, Joe Montana plays a, uh, an executive. John Levitz is their, um, their uh, agent. And then and also has Tony Plana. He plays Hefe, you know, the one we were just uh, oh, yeah. ripping on, you know. He was the dad. He's the dad in Ugly Betty. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Hefe. And he's the one that, you know, El Wapo and Hefe are kind of their, the two kind of uh, comedian bad guys. But yeah, I love, love with the capital, love this movie. Yeah, so. we're, we're, we have this on the list, don't we? Yeah, uh, yes, I think so. Before the year's out, I think we're doing this one. Yeah. Yes, I think it's in November. I don't know, Jason. Maybe it won't hold up. Maybe I'll be the contrarian on this one. Because <laughs> yeah, you know how I am with com- with, with, comic, with comic movies I have to revisit, or com- comedies I have to revisit. Ah, uh, well. Okay, so Jay, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. You want to throw, uh, you want to hit the people with some knowledge uh, as far as the voicemail number goes? I don't remember the voicemail number. Do you not really? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Give us a call anytime, anywhere from any country, 206-203-0491. All unregistered rates apply, and we guarantee we'll put you on no matter what you say. Skype pooped out a little bit there then. He said 0491 in case you missed that. And um, it's and call, especially if you're in your car and are hyped up on uh, coffee. Yes, call us with as much caffeine as possible. Absolutely. And uh, you can also check us out, ForgottenFlicks.com. It's Flicks for the Next. Jason is on Twitter. It's Flicks Sidekick. I am uh, Forgotten Flicks on Twitter. Check us out, our Facebook page out. Uh, we got It's growing slowly. And, and it is now thanks to our buddy, Kevin Batchelder, from the Tuning into Sci-Fi TV and Jason. Jason? And the what? The Saturday uh, B-Movie Reel. I'm trying to throw you a bone here, buddy. comes out on Wednesdays. <laughs> Oh, so we saying it's competition? Oh, wait, no. Um, <laughs> but thanks to him, he 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 turned me on to a little uh, Facebook app that makes it no must, no fuss to get my stuff loaded up there on uh, Facebook, and all is good. I don't have to screw with that anymore. They're automatically up there. So Facebook, and of course, check out our iTunes page, leave a review, and uh, and whatnot. We've had a, a couple other ones. Actually, Kevin, I believe, left us one, and. We really appreciate it. it. It means a lot, actually, to mm-hmm. uh, think that people actually listen to this and like it. I'm a little perplexed by that, but I think it's awesome, so I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, also, be sure to stop by the site. We have our, I guess at this point, because by the time this airs, Jay, it I think will be a couple days, because this is next week, right? This comes yes. up for us. Because today is, the, for, for us, in the past... We are recording this on the 6th, <laughs> so this will actually air on the 14th. of. Uh, so by the time you're hearing this, I am going to have left the poll up through the 16th. So it'll still be up for a couple more days by the time you're listening to this. And mm-hmm. go ahead and vote. It's uh, give you six movies to choose from. Um, well, I use the words horror movies in quotes because a couple of them, you know, it's debatable. Um, just that they're horrible old movies to quote the great Dr. Paul Bearer. And, uh, you know, go ahead and vote. See which one you want to pick. That'll be the movie that launches us into our October Spooky Flicks Fest. That's right. Five straight weeks of horror flicks from the 1980s. Although, if Phantasm wins, launching that technically is 1979. But much like Quigley Down Under, (laughs) we'll let it count. 
We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. So, yes. So, please check that out. Jason, any uh, final words you'd like to say? Would you like to give him a sneak peek at what's coming next week that I'm actually excited about? Oh, yes. Uh, we are going to go into a an actual 80s blockbuster classic. Um, uh, what are we doing again? Dude, that is oh, awesome. oh, yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. We're doing RoboCop. Your move, creep. Oh, I love RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're doing RoboCop. And before you're like, well, that isn't forgotten. Maybe not by you, but they're talking about remaking the damn thing. So I don't want to hear oh. it. I don't want to hear it. They've been talking about it for a while. And I'd argue that there's a lot of kids out there. RoboCop, I've heard of that. I've never seen it. So, yes. RoboCop. Mm. Next week. So, Jay, any final words before we go? I'm going to go chug the rest of my bottle of NyQuil and go see if I can find giant chickens. That is a good plan, my friend. And Jason, this is unusual. This is a first on the Forgotten Flicks podcast. I I think we've got a call coming in right now from... Wait, hold on. Oh, and Peter, you, my friend, have zero screws loose. As a matter of fact, you have like a thousand extra screws. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> 